0: The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkettown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkettown, please visit our website at www.durkettown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N. dot o r g. And in your scriptures, Psalm 110. hear the word of the Lord. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head, the word of the Lord, which is indeed for our good. Now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, Amen. Well, we come to the final sermon in this series, A Promise Kept, series that began on the first Sunday of December, the first Sunday of Advent, and will end uh, today in the second Sunday of Christmas. And I want to thank you again for your faithfulness. Uh, We don't take that lightly for your faithfulness uh, through Advent. And now into Christmas, so many people did so many things over this past month to help the church, be the church, and to do things that God would have us to do. Uh, The list is too long for me to remember in my mind, but I am just very grateful. And I I want to say um, on the last Sunday of this calendar year, at least, the calendar year of 2023 that I... I'm very, I'm very excited about what the Lord is doing among us. And uh, along with that excitement, I pray. I've been trying to pray even more diligently with greater fervency for the Spirit uh, to empower us and uh, to empower us to follow Him to wherever He is leading. And to follow Him uh, just as those people who were called into service did uh, when Christ came into the world, that we too would have willing hearts ready to follow him. Uh, for many of us who lived uh, before the the dawn of the internet, and it's kind of odd, isn't it, to think that there are children among us and people among us who will only know life after the internet. Um, it's 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 strange, isn't it, but it's true. But but before the internet, most of us will relate, you know, if you wanted to do uh, maybe some research about a place you were interested in visiting, uh, or if you were like me, you just like to kind of spin the globe and stick your finger on it, and that's, you thought, I'm going to go visit there, and, but it, you really didn't want to visit there, that's where it's just your finger landed, so you'd spin it again until you got to the place you really wanted to go, um, uh, but you know, you don't, didn't have a travel budget, you knew you weren't, you know, you weren't going to those exotic exotic places uh, what you do is you would you'd go to the library right and you'd pull out some travel books or or maybe you'd go like you know we would drive down the Barnes and Noble and sit in the travel section and pull out those guides and the colorful pictures and it would tell you you know what this and there go visit here and do do all of that and you'd sit there and you dream about visiting you know great cities and great cathedrals and eating food um, Well, our use use of Psalm 110 this morning, it's just a bit like that. It's a bit like that. However, we're not going to be visiting great cities and cathedrals. Instead, we will be visiting the greatest person who has ever lived, the greatest person who has ever walked on the earth. Can you imagine that we are in a vital relationship with the greatest person who has ever walked on the earth? on the face of the earth. And um, Psalm 110 is like then a guidebook that points us to markers which then the New Testament authors explain concerning Jesus. Psalm 110 is the most quoted psalm in all of the Old Testament. And so therefore it is like a guidebook into the life of Jesus. And, and so here's my strategy And I really wrestled with this yesterday, um, and I finally had to make a decision late in the afternoon. Instead of preaching a rather long and, and somewhat layered sermon about all the connecting points between Psalm 110 and Jesus, I decided to open the guidebook, as it were, and just show one connecting point out of Psalm 110. But then I took all of those notes that I'd accumulated and I put them in a separate guide. um, And it's out there on the table in between the two offering. um, um, They're not baskets, they're not boxes, uh, two offering boxes. And I only made a limited number of them if they're gone and you would like to have that study guide to see the other connecting points. It's not exhaustive, but it will give you the other connecting points between Psalm 110 and the life of Jesus how the New Testament authors spoke about him, wrote about him. That's there for your use, for your own, for your own edification. But the portion of Psalm 110 I want to reflect on landed on verse number 3. On verse number 3. When he says, Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power and holy array from the womb of the dawn. Your youth are to you as the dew. And I, and I want to encourage us and, of course, to challenge us to consider how those people who were part of the story of the birth of Jesus responded when the promise arrived at the beginning, as it were, of the day of his power, and how by their example we too should be ready when the glorious promise that God has made in Christ, when the full day of Christ's power comes into view, how we should be ready for that day. You know, as as Matthew and Luke tell us the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, one of the things that we note uh, is that there are breakthroughs between heaven and earth. And they come um, in the form of angelic appearances, right? We're familiar with the story. We've just rehearsed a lot of the story over the past weeks. Zechariah, the the priest in the temple, Mary, and Joseph are all visited by an angel, a heavenly breakthrough into the earthly realm, a a visitation from God through his messenger. And then, of course, uh, and this really shows up prominent in Luke's accounting of the birth of Christ, is the work and role of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit, another Breakthrough from the heavenly into the earthly, playing a prominent role in the life of Elizabeth and baby John that is still in the room. You might, might recall when uh, Mary comes into the room that John begins to do somersaults, right, still in the womb, and Elizabeth speaks, right, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and Mary speaks, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's Uh, imprint is all over the birth narrative, the events leading up to the birth of Christ. It's all over the work of the Holy Spirit. And of course, this breakthrough between heaven and earth continues on the night of the birth of Jesus. Like Zechariah, who was at work in the temple, we find in Luke 2, uh, the shepherds are faithfully working in the fields right? They're, they're there in the fields, and they're keeping watch over their flocks by night, and it's a wonderful reminder that the Christian faith and participation in the Christian faith isn't for an elite religious class, but it is for all people, even shepherds who are, as uh, the King James says, abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and and outside of the immediate family of Mary and Joseph, uh, they are the first to receive the news that God has come to earth. Can you imagine uh, that God, who is sending his king, sends the news first to very common, ordinary, hardworking men out in the middle of a field with their sheep. But this is the way God chooses to do things. And they receive this news. And then On the basis of that news, they leave their their sheep. And they head off into Bethlehem. And then they worship the Christ child. Again, just kind of lock into your mind. Here these men are. They don't have time to go home and change. They're coming in their work clothes. Their hands are dirty. Probably smelling like sheep, you know. And into the stable they come and they look. And there is Jesus. God. God in the flesh. And then they go out into the crowded streets of Bethlehem. And they begin to talk about what they have seen and heard just as the angels had told them. And then the story moves forward. It's eight days after the birth of Jesus. Christmas this past Monday. Tomorrow the the day of his circumcision, which is very important because he is circumcised according to the law. And you know that bit of pain and that bit of shedding of blood in his circumcision is a sign, a small sign, a precursor to the pain and the suffering and the shedding of blood that Jesus would endure some 30 years later when he is put to death by crucifixion. And, and then finally we should note that when Luke tells us the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, the initial action uh, takes place in the temple. That's, that's Luke chapter number one, when Zechariah is in the temple offering sacrifices to the Lord. And, and as noted, Zechariah has served faithfully for many years as a priest. He's met by an angel in the temple. But Luke is careful to tell us that he is specifically at the altar of incense, which is part of the holy place where only a priest could go to offer on behalf of the people. That's at the beginning of the story. But when Luke ends the story, uh, the account of the birth of Christ, we're back in the temple, right? We're back in the temple. But this time it's not in the holy place, uh, but it's in the place of sacrifice. It's now some 40 days since the birth of Jesus, And Mary and Joseph have gone again in accordance with the law. They bring the sacrifice of a pigeon or a turtle dove. And there they offer it on behalf of Jesus. And this first visit by Jesus to Jerusalem in keeping the law is noteworthy. And also a reminder that it is not his last visit to Jerusalem, is it? And as the gospel story unfolds, the life of Jesus unfolds, what you find is that there is always this conflict taking place in the life of Jesus between the temple authorities and Jesus, who is the fulfillment of everything rightly taking place in the temple. You know, as you think about this story, except for Zechariah the priest who in a moment of weakness doubts the messenger of God, Right. every other person that plays a role in the birth story of Jesus is pictured as a person who acts willingly. They act willingly. As Psalm 110, verse 3, would would kind of envision in the future that your people will volunteer freely as the day of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ unfolds even in humility in his infancy people begin to act willingly right each person is met with news that is going to alter their lives and I and I think that's very hard For 21st century Christians to wrap their heads around. That an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ is meant to alter things in our lives. Now now in their case, it's a significant, it's a significant altering. Zechariah and Elizabeth had waited their whole marriage for a baby. They're now in their old age. That dream was gone, except God chose them to miraculously have a baby. And now in their old age, they have their joy, but it's a daily joy to change diapers and feed and raise a child in their old age. Their lives altered. The life of Mary, altered. A dutiful young virgin walking in faithfulness with God betrothed to Joseph, assuming how her life would unfold, but her life is altered. Motherhood comes to her unexpectedly. Of course, then Joseph and his plans for marriage and how life would be lived also were changed dramatically. The shepherds were not expecting an angelic vision. These men had taken... There's sheep into those fields night after night after night, common, ordinary life. Most of us know what that's like, right? You get up, you go to work, you come home. Kind of your day is planned, it's set. It's kind of just the way it is. you, you it ticks off like clockwork, except for the shepherds that night. Whoops, hang on. We have angelic visitors. Uh-oh, something's changed. And of course, then again, after 40 days after the birth of Jesus, Simeon is coming into the temple as he did. Anna in the temple day and night doing her work. But Simeon on this visit sees then the hope, the consolation of Israel. He sees Messiah. He takes him into his arms. He speaks a prophecy. He blesses God He blesses Mary and Joseph, and now he says, I can die in peace because my eyes have seen God's salvation. Can you imagine? Every day you do the same thing, except suddenly that day altered. Now I can die. I can die in peace because my eyes have seen God's salvation. And this aged prophetess Anna who has served after becoming a widow widow in the temple day and night all of these years she walks up, she thanks God, she blesses God and like the shepherd she begins to tell people what she had witnessed. You know this story is a story for us to embody. It's It's a story for us to pull forward because as the 12-day celebration of Christmas comes to a close this week, a question then lingers. What has been your response to the news of God's salvation coming to earth? What has been the response to the news that God's salvation has come to earth? And I don't mean what was your response years ago or whatever. I mean, what was your response over these last weeks or months? What is your response this morning? What is altering in your life when you consider that you are to be in a vital faith relationship with God who came to earth and who died and rose again and ascended and is coming again to judge the living and the dead the question is vital because if we actually believe the story I just rehearsed if you actually believe that God did come in the flesh and that as his life unfolded all of these other things happened, and that what is waiting to happen in the future is as certainly going to happen as did these other things are you are you ready how are you being transformed? How are you being changed? Do you believe that the return of Christ and when the fullness of the day of his power comes, do you believe that that is actually going to happen and are you ready? Are you ready? The Orthodox theologian, uh, Shem Amen, and I can never, um, I keep practicing this guy's name, and I never get it right. And uh, Andrew's here, but if Anna's here, she'll correct me afterwards, because she's, shes you know, Russian, and she can do that. Shmemen, there it is, Shmemon. He makes this point about Simeon. And it's a point I've reflected on. And I know sometimes when I read quotes, they're kind of, they just kind of go out in your head, you know, but I would encourage you if you Get a copy of the sermon or want a copy of the quote to think about it. Listen to what he writes. Simeon had been waiting all his life, and then at last the Christ child was given to him. He held the life of the world in his arms. He could recognize the Lord because he had expected him. He could recognize the Lord because he had expected him and that's how Simeon lived every day he would go into the temple waiting for the consolation of Israel waiting for the coming Messiah and so when the Messiah actually came it was no surprise to him and he took the baby in his arms and he said I can die now in peace Here's the Messiah. And so I ask myself this question and I think about this and I hope it's true of you, I hope it's true of me, that when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, we will not be surprised, but instead we will be ready to receive him without stretched arms because we've expected him. And I understand and obviously believe that we don't know the exact day of his return. That's not the point point is, I am coming. I am coming. Are the ordinary ways in which we live our lives also preparing us for the extraordinary thing that is yet to happen? When our Lord Jesus Christ returns, will we know him? Because we've expected him. It's a compelling question for me, someone whose business is the Bible. It's a compelling question for many of us who have grown up in the church and around the church and are familiar with these things. That we live our lives in such a way that we expect him and we will know who he is because we have expected him to come. But this, this kind of life, this kind of trajectory can only be lived out through the gospel. The good news that is received by faith. That our sins now forgiven through the death of Jesus. That the spirit of God indwells within us and we are transformed. That our lives are inhabited by the spirit of God. Shaping us and forming us into conformity with his will. And it's a struggle every day, isn't it, to be conformed to his will, to order our lives, to rise in the morning and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and then have our lives formed and shaped around Jesus. To organize our day around Jesus Christ. only the gospel can free us to do that only the gospel can deliver what the psalmist envisions that in the day of his power your people will volunteer freely now I don't want you to think that means like we're gonna have some sign up starting next week for to have to enlist you to do all sorts of things that's not the point the point is that like each of the characters in the story Surrounding the birth of Christ were living their lives day by day, ordinary lives, but with expectation their lives were altered when God visited them. Who knows what assignment you might get when you wake up and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and organize your day around the Lord. But then don't be disappointed at the end of the day if you go, well, nothing special happened. I guess he doesn't need me. No, because it was in the ordinary things that you did that day of loving God and loving your neighbor that God's purposes were worked out. This is what it means to have faithfulness, ordinary cultivated faithfulness over a long time time in our lives. John Calvin, in commenting on this particular psalm, he makes this distinction about the Hebrew word translated into the English, the word willingly. And let me just give, give again his quote. The Hebrew term, which David employs frequently when he talks about willing, it has this idea of willingly sacrificing, bringing an oblation, an offering of some kind. But Calvin makes this note. In the present case, as it is used here in Psalm 110, it refers to the chosen people who are offering themselves willingly. They're not offering a sacrifice. They're offering to themselves. Calvin says those who are truly Christ's flock, declaring that they shall be a willing people, spontaneously, cheerfully, consecrating themselves to his service. I love that little, that little added... I, I, I find it a helpfully, helpful added word he puts in there. Spontaneously and cheerfully consecrating themselves. For when Christ shall wish... To assemble his people, immediately they will yield and prompt obedience without being forcibly constrained to it. Without being forcibly constrained to it. Any of us who have raised children or taught school or worked with children on any level, the the, the one I think, I don't know if it's the highest goal, it might be the highest goal. The thing we want most is willing obedience without constraint without threats right without warning you say they do cheerfully spontaneously right each each of the characters in the christmas story give right spontaneous cheerful consecration of themselves be it unto me according to your word That, by the way, can be a definition of Christian maturity. If you want to believe yourself to be a mature Christian, you only need to look then at, are you giving spontaneous, cheerful consecration to the Lord in his service? Are you yielding prompt obedience? Or do you have to be talked into it, conjoled, threatened, pleaded, Bagged whatever this is how the church is to live in the day of the power of Jesus Christ and so here then is the great hope for our future with God just as the various people gave prompt obedience to the messages that they received and they did so without being forcibly constrained to do it so in the day when the promise of our Lord is revealed When our Lord returns, we will be transformed. We will be changed. And we will no longer struggle with obedience. We will no longer have to have somebody come from behind and say, get with it or whatever, you know. We will just then offer ourselves willingly in the day of his power. And what a great hope to look forward to that for all eternity, The gospel will have so transformed us that for all eternity, we will love God without constraint. There will be an abounding and abounding and abounding of love. And there will be an abounding of love one for another. We will never position ourselves away from anyone in the new heavens and the new earth. And with all of God's creation, we will be rejoicing. We will live as we were meant to live as that Verse number 3 describes in holy array from the womb of the dawn your youth are to you as the dew. Imagine that this is what awaits us. You and I, along with people from every tribe and tongue and nation who have been transformed by Jesus Christ will be like drops of dew spreading over the whole earth. We will be fresh, we will be full of life, we will be full of joy, our bodies made new, and we will worship, and we will serve the greatest man who ever walked on the face of this earth, Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word to us today. If there is anyone uh, in this room um, maybe struggling with obedience or struggling on how to live the Christian life. Let them know that they can find help and hope. They don't have to be alone in their struggles, for we all struggle, Lord. And then, Father, I pray that if any do not know you in a personal, saving way, that they would not just think of themselves as being religious or maybe needing some religion, but they would see themselves in need of your salvation, O God, and you would make that clear to them, and they, too, would seek help from you, to come into a real relationship with your God in Christ, in whose blessed name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durky Town, please visit our website at www.durkytown.org.